0: Hey everyone, welcome in to another daily editorial here on the KE Report, Corin Chad here chatting with Byron King. We're going to be talking about broadly resource stocks, metal sector first, and then moving into more comments on the overall energy sector. Byron is a geologist who writes with the Paradigm Group, formerly known as Agora Financial writes alongside Jim Rickards. Now, Byron, we were chatting off mic about all the money that was spent last year in the resource sector, especially in metals, stocks that... We're out there exploring, building resources, putting out economic studies, even moving into more of a construction or production scenario. And unfortunately, a lot of these stocks, almost across the board, probably 90 plus percent, just did not get the market love for the work they did. And we heard over and over and over again from companies that they couldn't be happier with the work that they did, the data that they gathered, and even their drill results or their progress on assets Problem being, well, again, the market did not reward them. And now a lot of these companies are turning back to shareholders and saying, we need to raise money again, unfortunately, at lower prices and lower market valuations. Byron, what's your takeaway from this environment here where companies, they need to come back to the market, but they didn't create much value for the money that they spent last year?
1: Well, you have really summarized it nicely. It is immensely frustrating as a geologist, somebody who, I, I love the technical side, I love the scientific side of this. Many of these companies, they did exactly what they said, as you described. Management two years ago, you know, last year, two years ago, three years ago, they said, we're going to raise money, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. Go out in the field, go to this. And they did. They drilled, they explored, they mapped, they did geophysics, they put their models together. And many, many of these companies, we could, we could go across... The whole set, there's 4,000 companies out there. You know, obviously we can't begin to touch on who's out there doing what, but so many of them did great work and they should be commended in that regard. But yeah, the market's not commending them. I mean, you know, scientifically they gathered a lot of data. You turned your money into a turning drill bit into geophysics, what have you. You have knowledge, you have intellectual property, you know, but the market isn't paying for that. You know, look at technology where somebody can just say, oh, we think we have some, better computer chip or something. And boom, their company explodes. You know, we can do AI. Boom, their company explodes. Somebody comes back and says, you know, we've, we've drilled our holes. We've done our geophysics. We've put together our models. We have all these extra ounces, all these new pounds in the ground. And the market says, yeah, right. And they sell the stock and down they go. So it, we, are, we are really in a quandary because this is not how you build the future of the mining industry in general, any of the sectors within it. It's not how it's supposed to work. From the standpoint of people out there who invest in this sector in these mining groups and what have you, all I can say is, you know, for I I feel your pain. I mean, I personally feel your pain. I professionally feel your pain. You know, I don't want to give up on, on great companies doing great things though. But we do have to figure out, you know, where do we go next? What's going on now? Right now, you mentioned companies are throttling back. Uh they're they're listening to the shareholders who are saying, listen, you guys you raised money, but now the share price is down, even though you found more ounces, more pounds, whatever, you know, we, you know, we don't want to raise money at these, at these share prices. We don't want to dilute. You're killing us with dilution. It brings up a whole nother question. You know, have they found for all the new pounds and all the new ounces and all the new scientific data that they have that make them a better project in you know, a long term sense, does that outweigh the destruction of wealth, you might say, in terms of the share prices not going anywhere again it, it it's specific from company to company but it's very very troublesome very worrisome for the future i don't see how it can persist though because if you look at what's out there in terms of reserves what's out there in terms of what's being mined what's being produced what's going into the industrial system of the world i mean the reserve base is being undermined both literally and figuratively you know through just day-to-day operations. I don't know how long it can keep up this way. Uh, There's got to be a swing back into basic mining, basic resources. We're starting to see it just a little bit of a bow wave with, uh, you know, some big money is starting to roll back, roll back into mining. It's barely perceptible unless you really see it. I mean, people talk about, you know, Bill Gates and and that that project in Africa or, or Paul Singer moving money into basic mining, things like that. You know, when you see some of the froth on the beer, so to speak, of technology, the NVIDIAs of the world, that kind of thing, when you see that there is so much froth on that beer that if just a little bit of it rolled towards the, uh, the side of the bar with the miners and the, and the basic resources industries, you know, we'd start to be okay, I guess. That's the way to look at it.
2: Byron, it's an interesting dynamic in that when we were talking to companies a year or two ago, they were raising money. They did go out and do what they said they were gonna do. They did deliver, they did get good results, and the market shrugged it off. And there's that adage that every mining company that's pre-production is basically in a race between dilution and value creation. And many would submit that are in these companies, the executive teams, that they did go out and create value. It's just that the sentiment in the sector is so poor that they're actually at a worse value now, even though they're a better company. So the trend that we've been hearing this year is we're going to do smaller drill programs. If we were drilling 20, 30, 40,000 a year in the past, now we're going to drill 10, but we're not going to try to build resources anymore. We're not going to try to put out resource updates. We're going to go back to discovery drilling and try to find new areas or try to find high-grade pockets or try to find a new zone or a new target on the prospect of their land that actually gets investors excited because the only area that's really been getting rewarded is discovery. What do you think of that trend, the trend to do smaller drill programs, more contained drill programs, but focused on discovery instead of resource growth?
1: I agree with that point. Exactly. I mean, you know, I don't want to overstate the Snowline phenomenon, but you know, Snowline went out there, you know, way, way, way out in the middle of like nowhere. I've actually been there, but it's way far away from everything. And it's a unique sort of an outlier of a deposit, big, huge deposit. That Valley deposit is phenomenal. They are one of the absolute very few companies that have been rewarded for discovery. And so there's a lot of, you know, imitation going on here where companies are saying, well, gee, you know, if you can go out there and if you can hit that super high grade zone, if you can really, you know, find the sweet spot and, and nail it and make that announcement, you know, maybe maybe some of that snow line effect will work for us. I mean, clearly the other effects are not working. You know, you can go out there in that kind of almost manufacturing sense and just drill, 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 drill the hell out of it, you know, build ounces, build pounds, build what have you and the market goes yeah ho hum big deal we don't care every press release is an excuse to you know for more people to sell more shares but i do see what you're talking about in terms of you know the focus on new discovery out there maybe maybe that'll juice the uh, maybe that'll you know kind of juice the the buyers to you know start to put some more money back into the sector as opposed to take it off every time you put out a press release
0: To your point about the buyers in the sector, I think we all know that we need more investors coming into the sector. And even looking to some of the majors, which unfortunately their share prices continue to struggle, it trickles down to the juniors and to these companies, especially the ones that are not in production. But right now the market is valuing ounces in the ground Five, maybe ten dollars an ounce. Have you seen this environment before, Byron? Where, quite frankly, even de risk ounces are not getting the value that they need to to even incentivize companies to keep drilling.
1: Yeah, that's a really good point. I, you know, it's hard to generalize about you know who out there in the market. You know, who understands what. You know, but I think there's a massive just lack of understanding within the market of of really how. Hard it is to, to do good mining. You know, I mean, people say, "Oh yeah, well, that's a the mining industry. They can take care of this. They can take care of that." I mean, mining is hard. It takes a lot of smart people and a lot a lot of moving parts and a lot of things have to work all very well together. You know, to to get that ore out of the ground, to get that ore into the mill, into the refinery, into the into that finished product. And I don't think a lot of investors really truly understand. How hard it is! We we've created an entire investment culture out there where people just want to trade things. I mean, I've heard people say, "Oh, I don't care if it's a gold mine or if it's a company that makes yogurt or a company that makes computer chips. I just want to trade the stock. You know, if the stock is moving, I'll trade it." And okay, I get that from the trading standpoint, but I don't get that from the standpoint of, you know, what companies need within the economy to stay around, to to, to stay alive. You know, if you do enough trading. You're going to kill the companies that sort of support the whole economy, and uh, and that's like that's a cultural problem. That's not so much the mining industry's uh, creation. It's a it's a cultural dynamic in terms of education and what people do in terms of you know how the, how they want to how they want to play the markets every day. You know that there's an entire subculture out there of people who do nothing but you know day trade or just you know they they trade momentum here they trade momentum there. they and you you see it reflected in. Uh, and where the money goes and where the money flows, you know.
2: Well, Byron, just thinking about where the money flows when you look at the resource sector, particularly on the metals on this question, you know, whether it's gold or silver or copper or nickel, there's not a lot of new capital coming in from retail, not even a lot from institutional. Now, there is on the critical mineral side some from government money and some from manufacturing, but the junior miners are having to be pretty creative here. So I'm seeing a big uptick in. People selling what they're calling non-core projects, even though it may have been their secondary or or tertiary project they were excited about, they're now flipping them to other companies and not getting really that much money for them because it's the bottom of the market. Other companies are bringing on strategic partners, maybe a larger company taking a 10% or a 20% stake. Other companies are seeing, can I forward sell a royalty on this project if it's somewhat advanced just to go ahead and bring in some capital? So they're trying to do whatever they can instead of equity raises because those are so dilutive at the share price rate. What do you think of this phenomenon of basically instead of diluting the share price, diluting the project level or diluting at the production level down the road?
1: Well, I think it's a it's a survival mechanism of a lot of companies. If you're if you're a company that has several different projects, potential projects, you've got to pull in your horns. You've got to retract. You've got to focus your resources. You've got to focus what limited resources you have on what might give you the maximum, you know, best near term return, you know, the next two, three, you know, inside of three four years kind of return. That's about as far out as, as a lot of smaller companies can really afford to look anymore, both literally or figuratively can afford to look, you know, you know, I mean, the big guys, you know, the big companies, they're in business forever. And, you know, they have those 10 and 15 and 20 and 30 year timeframes, even though they they too have to have to be careful how to, how to, how to manage their cash. But in terms of what it means to the small and the, you know, to the junior sector, it's very scary to think that, that we're choking the, uh, you're, you're choking the future. You're, you're, you're choking so many deposits by, you know, by just limiting the, uh, limiting the effort you can, you can put into them, lim- you know, by, by devaluing them, by selling them at a discounted price. Uh, this, this is, this is not what the future is going to need. You know, when the, when the projects that we have today that are the big mining projects, that, you know, as they play out over the next you know, 5 and 10 and 15 years, which they will, I mean, which they're going to do. Um, let's use an analogy. Let's, let's talk about the energy industry, for example. Let's, let's just throw this out. I mean, about six weeks ago, uh, Vicki Holub, who runs Occidental Petroleum, gave a, gave a talk. And in, among other things, she runs Occidental Pete. She ought to know something. Uh, she said that 97% all the oil that is being produced in the world today, as we speak in the year 2024, 97% of that oil was all discovered before the year 2000. Only 3% of the oil we're producing today was discovered in the last 24 years. Okay, that tells you that we are draining the uh, world's oil reserves. And you can say, well, fracking this, tight oil that, Yeah, don't, you know, don't get off on that tangent. We're burning 90, 97% of the oil that we burn whether it's fuel or whether it's chemicals or whatever, was discovered 25 and more years ago. I mean, how long can that go? You know, we're driving full speed towards an absolute brick wall here. I use the same analogy in much of the mining industry that it's being so under-resourced and so under-capitalized and so under-explored and so under-rewarded that I I don't see how it can maintain. At some point, this is the hopeful side here, at some point, We've got to have an inflection. we've got to have some sort of a market recognition that we can't keep doing this. We can't keep flying towards the side of this mountain at the speed we're going and at the rate we're covering the ground and at the distance we're closing. we cannot keep doing this unless we unless we start to throw some serious money at it and when that happens, you know all these all these dirt cheap companies that we have today, they may finally have their day in the sun. I hope it's sooner rather than later I mean because Every day that we uh, exist in, the, in this world of, you know, of living off the past, living off the past legacies, every day we, we do that is, is just one day closer to truly, a, you know, just a, a set of broken markets that are going to be very difficult to fix.
0: Byron, you could maybe argue that the markets, at least for the resource companies, are broken right now because what we're talking about here, lack of funding, lack of attention from investors, is in an environment where we have gold holding above 2000 silver's in the mid to low 20s, which I know is well off of its highs, but it's better than the teens we were in for that six to seven year period. We also have copper up around $4, again, not at its highs, but not in the $2 range It just seems like there's this massive disconnect, which we've talked about time and time again between the stocks and where the metals prices are trading. What changes this then? What does the sector need to actually get some investors in when metals prices, you can argue, are at least hanging in there?
1: Well, I remember a wise man once said that, you know, the stock market is in many ways like a flock of birds sitting on a telephone wire, you know. And they, they're just sitting there doing whatever whatever they do on telephone wires, and then one bird flies away, and they all fly away. you know uh, i th- I think what we're waiting for is for the the one or two birds to lead the flock to just say that, okay, everybody the it's the, the the resource sector, the precious metal sector, the you know the, the base metal sector, yeah it's time for, it's time to fly and uh, and when that happens, I think we're going to be in for you know for quite a <laughs> quite a time when. When just some of that money, some of that money that's holding up the rest of the market right now, just some of that money starts to drift over into into basic materials. And then, really, the the good thing about basic materials, it's not vaporware. You know, I mean, when you have all that intellectual property from all the drilling, all those all those holes in the ground that you've gathered the, you know, so many grams per ton, so many, you know, so many ounces of this, so many pounds of that. When when you've got all of that data, that's that's not vaporware anymore. You know, I mean, that, that really does represent. That really does represent real, real elements, real atoms, real molecules, you know, in the rocks. And that's, in many ways, that's the saving grace of the mining industry. Is that, you know, when you do mining right, when you do exploration right, when you do your development work right, it's not vaporware because you are actually coming up with a plan to deliver a hard, tangible product at the end of the line. I mean, you know, sure, you have to build the mine, you have to get it to work, and you have to produce, but. There's a lot of vaporware that, in the end, it'll just, the vaporware will just give you more vaporware, you know. Whereas if if you do your if you do your intellectual property correctly in the mining industry, at the end of the day, you're going to deliver gold, silver, you know, copper, nickel, lithium, uranium, you know, go down the whole list of uh, all those elements on the periodic table. Um, and I, I wish I could say it's going to happen here or then or whenever. I wish I could tell you. Listen real closely and you'll hear the bell ring, you know, I, you know, my, my hearing's not good enough for that one. But I'm looking forward to the turn because uh, like as the listeners out there, the readers out there, you know, I, I, too, am deeply invested in this whole sector. And, you know, as I said earlier, I feel, I feel the pain me and, every, you know, you, me and everybody else.
2: Well, Byron, you brought up energy earlier in this discussion. You just brought up lithium and uranium there and copper. I think that there are some birds on the telephone wire that have started flying over to that side of the resource space, the energy component side, whether it's in the oil and gas side, which we saw in 2022, and then it's rolled over some since then. But look at the big run we saw in, in lithium stocks for a while. Look at the run we just saw in uranium stocks. So there are some. Areas of the resource space and the extractive industries that are still doing well, do you think things are shifting more to a focus on energy right now?
1: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. There's this idea out there that we're in this energy transition, you know, where we're going to change from the way we've been doing things for 100 years to something else, you know, we're going to get, you know, going from gasoline to EVs and, you know, down with fossil fuels and all this kind of stuff. And my answer to that is no, there's no energy transition out there. There's only energy addition. Because if you look at the trends, if you look at the charts in every kind of energy that, in energy source that we have out there, globally it's going up. I mean, yeah, sure, in the U.S. we we close coal coal fired power plants in the U.S. Okay, yeah, great. For every coal fired power plant we close in the U.S., China opens twelve. You know, so uh, net net, you know that you know the world is burning more coal than ever before. The world is burning more oil, more gas than ever before. Uh, it's going to use more uranium than ever before. And when people say, well, yeah, well, what about, you know, solar and wind? Well, yeah, we're adding solar and wind, but that that's only, we're only adding to an already, you know, growing energy demand. Everything out there that, that is part of the energy cycle is generally on an upswing. I mean, frankly, even when we get back to mining, I mean, we don't really talk about coal, you know, and when we have our discussion, we're usually talking about hard rock mining, but uh, the coal mining industry has had, a really nice last six months. I'm only sorry I didn't, you know, wasn't thinking about it, you know, six months ago and tell everybody to get into coal miners. But holy smokes, if you look at some of those guys, they've had quite a run. So the, uh, I think that the energy sector, you know, in a broad sense, illustrates the idea that there's no, there's no transition, there's only additions. And it's really just a lack of perspective across the market. And it could be, a, like I said, it could be a cultural thing because we're all everybody's being taught by the by the media that oh you know don't you know oil is a declining industry it's a sunset industry and all that well no it isn't you know not in our lifetimes not for the next you know 40 or 50 years it's not so uh and if somebody says that about the mining industry itself you know the old oh, mining you know we're, we're going to get we're, we're going to recycle we're not going to need to mine anymore you know we get out of here what are you smoking you know no i mean it's it's, it's all out there it's absolutely necessary to keep the world going keep the lights on keep things happening and, and it's, it's really just a question of you know when is the when are these dislocations in the market going to correct you know like when, when are when are enough birds on, uh, going to get off off that telephone wire that the whole flock takes flight you know what i mean
0: oh a lot of people are waiting for that especially in the metals sector on that energy comment though how do you balance out the continued need for let's just call it the older school energy sources like oil natural gas even coal And the new green transition, if it's all an additions game and more money, more focus is being put into these other sources, which ones in your eyes have the best growth potential?
1: Well, you know, in terms of feedback, I mean, one of the reasons silver is doing well is because silver is a key component of solar panels, for example. I think we mentioned earlier, there's a lot of government money going into uh, non-Chinese rare earth development because, you know, rare earths are big part of the whole EV uh, situation. Rare earths are part of the wind energy uh, build out. Rare earths are critical to all sorts of things in in terms of energy efficiency. Um, uh, Copper, of course, we mentioned $4 copper. I mean, there's a reason for that, you know, because the world's using more and more copper uh, for the electric build out, rebuilding the whole grid, uh, you know, building entire new grids in parts of the world and rebuilding the old grid in other parts of the world, you know, so I don't, I don't see any big, you know, uh, weakness in copper forthcoming absent of, you know, global recession or global depression or whatever. And then in terms of just the ability to mine things, I mean, uh, when people say, oh, you know, we're not going to we're not going to use oil anymore. Well, actually, yes, we are. Quit talking like that. You're, you know, you're just I mean, think about the tires on the trucks in the mine, you know, what do you think that tire is made out of? It's not made out of rubber, well, there's a little bit of rubber in there, but, you know, I mean, most of that tire is made out of plastic, which comes from petroleum. You know, I mean, it's just, you can't make cement without petroleum or natural gas. You can't make steel without petroleum and natural gas, you know? So, so I mean the, the energy industry and the mining industry are absolutely joint at the hip in terms of, you know, one needs the other, you know, you can't, this goes back to an old economic concept of in, input output, Analysis: The Soviets actually developed it back in the 1930s, uh, in terms of you know their five-year plans. But you know the idea that you can't make steel without coal, but you can't mine coal without steel, and you know you, you expand that you can't make can't drill oil without you know steel and more oil. You can't drill. You can't make. You know, it's just you, you can't make one thing without the other, and every everything, everything's very dynamic. Everything feeds back into each other. So um, uh, yeah, so when when you're looking at the mining industry, you know the, the other. The other side of the mining industry is the energy industry. When you look at the energy industry, you know the other side of that is the mining industry. You know, in terms of materials, materials that you need to produce the energy, energy that you need to produce the materials. So uh, these are these are things to to keep an eye on. You know, and, and we're talking again, you know, these big macroeconomic sort of concepts. But I just can't see this thing carrying on. You know, indefinitely. I mean, how long indefinite is? You know, how long and how, how long until we hit the inflection point? Man, I wish I knew. I mean, I've, uh, I've I've been I've been waiting for that point to happen. You know, you know. There's all there's always something going on. I mean, there, you know, just COVID happened and the world shut down for you know a year and a half. Well, you know, but we're using more energy now than we did before COVID. That's for sure. And uh, so many other things. You know, COVID is just in the historical timeline. COVID is everything that happened during COVID is going to be a little blip on the scale of the historical timeline because. In terms of uh, the, the demand, the production, the uh, the output, the usage, uh, it, it's all going up, up, up in pretty much everything that's that's worth having, and it's really just a question that for some bizarre reason, the psychology of the market just doesn't reward the people who who do this, and I I don't get it, but I don't think we're off base to be uh, you know to to be in the sector where we are. We're just there's such a thing as being too early, and maybe we are too early, but uh you know i, I don't I, I don't want to walk away from it because you know that'll that'll be the capitulation point when it all turns around and surprises everybody.
0: <laughs> that's what I think we're all a bit worried about is walking away at the bottom. Problem's been uh the bottom has gotten a little bit lower over the last year and this year already it's tends to be struggling. So who knows, maybe these metal sectors will turn around. But right now, I think we're all wondering the same thing when or if money and investors will ever circle back around to these smaller companies or even the majors. It inevitably will happen. But just how high will that run then next go? Byron, thank you very much for your time. It's always interesting chatting with you. We'll chat again with you next month. I hope you have a great rest of your week.
1: Hey, thank you very much. We'll talk again.